Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys. Welcome back, disciples of the single-bladed paddle. I'm Kevin Olson. I am joined with my co-host, Bill Mahaffey. How are we doing tonight, Bill? I am doing well, Kevin. How about yourself, sir? I am excited to be talking about my favorite sport of marathon canoe racing. So I am uh, I'm just I'm glad to be back and uh, excited for, for what's to come. So oh, man, I can't yeah, I was trying to kind of monotone that, but I am pumped up. I am glad we're back on the air. Uh, I'm glad the season looks like it, it got off the ground for a lot of people. There was a lot of positives here that happened this year, and I'm really looking forward to 2021 and being back in the fold talking about canoe racing. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, uh, basic re- uh, just outline of what we're going to be talking about tonight on the show is we're going to be doing uh, a recap for what the season was um, so far, seeing how we're, we're in the tail end of it for most of us. And, uh, and we have a special guest, uh, fellow team canoe race world, um, Carson Burmeister, up and comer, uh, really uh, showed his uh, potential this year. And we're going to sit and talk with him. How are you doing tonight, Carson? I'm doing well, Kevin, and uh, happy to be here. Happy to talk uh, a little canoe racing with you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. sure. So, yeah. Yep. It's been a it's been a crazy year this 2020. Twenty <laughs> <laughs> 2020's brought a lot of different things, but uh, we got a lot to talk about for sure. There's been uh, a lot of races since the uh, last podcast. Yes, yes. So um, before we we're gonna we're gonna dive into those races. Um, before we're gonna do that, though, we are going to um, talk about some industry updates. Because uh, I did, a, I did uh, check out Canoe Race World. Uh, I wrote an article about these, but we're going to recap them a little bit. So um, probably the bigger news um, in the industry would be the introduction of uh, a couple new uh, canoe designs. We were talking about them last year, uh, and they actually came to fruition this year, Bill. Yeah, we were. Um, We've been talking about these boats for a very long time, and the CK2020 has hit the water at this point, as has the Savage River D518. A couple of new designs by a a couple of very well-known names in the canoe racing industry. Yeah. Yep. So there's um, that that Savage River. uh, It's a new 18-foot C1. And it's already racking up some uh, victories and some races. Yeah, I know Ben has paddled that boat quite a bit. Um, he won the Madrid C1, and I think the Wells Bridge C1 races in that boat. And then uh, didn't Dave Preston win that in the amateur division uh, in that boat at the Wells Bridge race as well? Yes, he did. Yes. So, um, so Dave Preston is actually used to uh, train with me back in Syracuse and okay. uh, he went from, you know, um, couldn't hold like 
five six miles per hour to you know now he's now he's uh winning amateur races so um he's come a long way and he loves that boat so um he uh he actually bought the one ben had at the beginning of the season (laughs) so that was like the first demo boat um that ben had at the beginning that he did uh the review on canoe race world on the website so uh you can always check that out um two um so ben got his new one and so then dave bought that one so um so that's how that that came about so i think i don't know if there's any other ones out there um other than those two um but those two are doing well. <laughs> I'm very excited to get into that boat. Uh, my very first C1 was the original Diller 18, and I still have that boat. Um, even though I've owned very uh, quite a few C1s at this point, very many, I guess. Um, that's probably still my favorite. Uh, the Savage River original Diller 18 was just a very fast boat for me. Now, what? Yeah. any idea what Dave weighs? He weighs like 160, so um, that's the thing. It's like most – see, this is the thing with C1s is they're really – they'll perform their best when you have the right volume boat for the paddler. For the right size paddler, yes. Yeah. yeah, way more so than a C2. So – and it's because of a C2, you're, you're balancing two people's weight – um, whereas in C1, it's like your weight just pushes the boat down or it doesn't push the boat down. So it, it, it changes the water line dramatically. Um, and that can change. Um, and that's why like an 18 foot boat works really well for lighter paddlers. I'd say probably in that like 165 and below range. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Um, I'm, I'm in that tweener range, and with not training and not racing this year, uh, I, I found myself a balmy buck seventy-two this morning on the scale, uh, which, which is nothing, you know. Hey, start training again, start racing. I'll drop back into that one sixty-five range. One sixty-five yeah. is a tough weight for a guy in a C one. One sixty, yeah. you can go down to eighteen, piece of cake. One seventy, yeah. go up to the eighteen six. One sixty-five, eh, it's it's no man's land. That's interesting yeah. to say that, Bill. I, uh, I that's I weighed one sixty five this spring, and I have a D three and a D three X, and I found that at one sixty five, neither one of them felt very good. I either had to be a little heavier or a little lighter. And I know that's a little different from the eighteen, but the it goes to show how uh, the C ones can be. I mean, that volume thing can make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely, Carson. So I own currently a D2. I had a D2X that was absolutely immaculate, probably the most beautiful boat I've ever owned. Um, And I got rid of it because at the time I was 165 pounds, and for me I could not get that D2X to run, whereas the D2 that I ended up trading straight up for felt a lot better for me. Right. Yeah. yeah, I um, I I my stinger is very like it, when I'm 170, it's 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 a perfect bow for me. When I'm 160, it's I'm right on the edge of being too light for it. So it's funny how how 10 pounds can can in, make a difference in a C1. Yeah, 
Yep. For me, my original dealer 18 really flies at 160 pounds. Um, it doesn't quite have the top end of an 18.6 boat, but it's fast. When yeah. I hit about 168, I can feel the brakes go on with that boat. Yeah. Yep. For sure. So, um, but yeah. So, just in in general, that's it. Seems like it's a good uh, a good you know a good boat, and uh, I'm sure we'll see more of them next year. Um, out in the water and uh, it'll be interesting to see how many people will convert back to you know we see more 18 footers out there I mean I think you've seen an emergence of them in the past couple of years um, over the 18.6 um, but uh, it'll it'll really be be interesting now that this new design's out there yeah right on man right on let's move on to the uh, the GRB Newman design uh ck 2020 uh both yeah. these boat builders are you know partner sponsors of what we do here at canoe race world both savage river and grb newman design um savage river we hear about new stuff pretty much on a continuous basis but the newman designs boat uh this thing is absolutely beautiful like in first new boat how long has it been since they've designed a new boat a new C2, um, well, over, I'd probably say almost 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that would be my guess. I don't know. I should ask them when they, um, uh, when they, when they came out with their last one, maybe, I'm, maybe 10 years. I'm, I'm probably shooting one way over with the 20 years, but, but definitely, um, it's been a while. Nothing. Yeah, definitely nothing in the past eight years or so. So, um, yeah, it's it's this is uh, definitely um, it's a very. I'm going to be writing a, a review on it. I'm going to try to wrap it up by the end of this month. So be on the lookout for it. But this boat is one of the nicest riding boats that I've paddled, okay. and. Uh, I don't have, you know, I, I mean, I paddled my fair share, but probably not as extensive as you, Bill. Um, you're, you're a boat connoisseur. Um, and uh, I, uh, but I'll tell you, one of the things that, that stuck out to me. So we were, the first day we went out in it, me and Ben, we went out and we rode uh, Pontoon Boat Wake at, eight and a half, nine miles an hour, first wave. So I'm like, we're sitting there talking with the people on the pontoon boat, barely paddling at all, and just riding the wave and not getting shot off the wave. We, we sat there for about a mile and a half, and the only reason we uh, lost it is another boat came zipping by the other way, and so their wake wave, just where we were, it just, it, 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 it uh, came over and, you know, swamped us. And then uh, there's no baller in this boat currently because <laughs> it's a demo boat. Um, so we had about, I don't know, 70 pounds of water <laughs> added to the boat. We still, I still had no fear of tipping over because when you have that much water, 
uh, if you've never had paddled a boat with that much water in it, what it does is it like when you start to uh, you know lean, it'll then all of a sudden all the water will rush to that side and it'll want to drop that yep. side of the boat in. And uh, we didn't, I didn't have any feeling like we were going to tip in at all. We bounced back two waves, and we almost got back over the wave to get back to them, but we just couldn't out sprint that wave with that much weight in the boat right right on well that at least you didn't it doesn't sound like you like tipped or dumped or anything like that oh, that oh. in and of itself is a testament to the stability of the boat i was thinking that was going to end up with a deep water re-entry story was i thought where you were yeah. going oh no 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 the, i'm telling you this is probably the more one of the more stable boats that i've ever paddled in i've never been comfortable with a crossbow rudder i cranked one out and like once you tip, once you tip it up, and I think it's because of how the how, how the bow is, it's a okay. it's a rounder bow. Um, so like when I'm in the bow, like as compared to like my JD Pro Two uh, that I had, when I when you tilt that, it, it like it doesn't want to like sit there. Um, whereas in this one, just feels comfy, um, um, tilted. So basically, what Gene told me, he goes. This boat is designed to get you through the night in the marathon. And, um, you know, basically with the premise being that you're going to be in a pack of boats and you want something that's going to be, you know, uh, you know, comfy to ride, uh, yep. you know, wash on easy, and, and everything. Easy, so, to, easy to ride makes a big, you know. big difference. You, you don't want to be, especially with where the sport is going right now, as participation levels continue to grow, things of that nature, uh, you don't want to be unable to ride away, right? There's a lot of people that can't do it. So if your boat is not friendly for it, you're going to be in a world of trouble, you know, especially when we're, we're maybe a year or two away from a hundred boat marathon. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and it's not slow. So, like, I mean, I, ha I don't have a ton of, like, uh, I've only been out in it probably about five or six times. Um, I don't have any, so I don't have a lot of, like, top-end speed, but I can tell you it's not slow. Um, it's fast enough for me to commit to doing the marathon in it next year. Um, it's fast enough that Ben's talking about buying one. So, um, Kevin, have you paddled that much in um... – any like shallow water or really twisty water? We did do uh, a, a stint, which was in, in just, it was not shallow, shallow water. So, you know, that intermediate water, um, like three to four feet. Um, we did paddle on that, um, you know, didn't seem to be, you know, we had a fast day. Um, we weren't slow in it. It's just like you just typical of what you would normally feel. I have yet to be able to paddle it um, in shallow water, like shallow, like shallows. How uh, does it feel as far as uh, like trim sensitivity, things of that nature? Yeah, so trim sensitivity is like this is one of the things that he um, his last pro boat, like uh, their their last pro boat, I should say, um, was very sensitive to trim. Mm -hmm. And he went about, and he wanted to, he wanted it to be a lot easier on, on, you know, trim. So like I went out there with, um, Dave Preston's, uh, little girls <laughs> and they were in the bow and 
I just actually didn't feel that bad. Um, and uh, it, it's one of those things I, I don't have enough time really to give you a lot, but I actually feel like it wasn't that – it's not like – some boats where you have to have a trim for it to feel like it's going to go. You miss the trim, um, it feels like a drag and a brick. Right, exactly. So it definitely doesn't feel like that, but um, I, I really haven't found, I, I, I don't have enough time in it to really tell you what's like optimal trim and, and, and how much of it, it, it does affect, you know, um, optimal speed and everything. Um That'll be probably, it'll probably take me a year to, to get that type of data. Um, sure. But, you know, from my initial, you know, thoughts on it, my thought is that this is going to be a great boat for up-and-coming paddlers. Like, those guys that want to, you know, um, that want to get a fast boat that's going to, like, a fast enough boat that's going to compete. Okay, um, that's gonna give them more uh, forgiveness uh, than like you know, let's you know than a Corbin, right? So, um, and I think it's also positioned super well because it's price point. I mean, its price point is dirt. I mean, it's it's a really good price. Yeah, you're under so, you're under five grand for that boat, even if you wanted the colored carbon kevlar version exactly. like and if you're gonna if do you, it you got you got to get the pimped out color one. let's yeah let's yeah. face it if you wanted that boat fully decked out so every option that you can have it's under five grand right. and you know so that's where you know and and how he's doing it is um you know he's he's basically um selling it in two versions so your your basic your very basic version, okay, um, and then your full full version, okay. So um, you can add on from the basic version up, but you get a discount, like uh, a small discount, if you just add everything all together. Okay. So um, you know, so your basic version is going to have aluminum tubes, um, aluminum thwarts. Um, but it's going to have carbon, it's going to have, uh, it's full carbon layup. It's going to have, uh, carbon gunnels. Um, and then the full decked out version is going to give you, um, lunch counter seat mount in the lunch counter. Um, it's going to give you a rear lunch counter, um, uh, bulkheads, uh, mounted seating in the back, um, carbon thwarts, um, carbon tubes. Uh, so the whole thing, you know, whole thing's carbon, uh, bail or, uh, what have you. So, um, so I think that's just an incredible price for that boat. Um, and that's why I think it's another great boat for like, like, like I said, those up and comers that, you know, uh, probably aren't going to, you know, have the budget to throw, six grand into a boat but they can throw 3500 into a boat right. want something a little bit faster than the winona v1 option or maybe they just don't like a v1 nothing against winona um maybe they just don't want a v but they don't want to go all the way up to the savage river six grand price point right well yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you bill that boat 
is going to weigh under 30 pounds all day, every day. That's, a, that's so, amazing. I think I think mine weighed in mine uh, scaled at twenty eight with the um, seat pads on it and everything. That, so that's, that's sick. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's a carbon Kevlar too. That's not just that's not a regular carbon carbon. I mean the carbon. It's real. He's told me that that shouldn't really make a difference um, because of the the weight of the fabric's the same. Right. Um, but. With that being said, in his paddles, he's no, they've noticed a little bit of, uh, you know, a touch more in weight with the carbon Kevlar. So, um, that's a lot of, that's a lot of fabric. So, you know, I'm sure that, you know, uh, a full carbon would be, you know, probably a pound or so lighter at least. Interesting side note on the carbon Kevlar, carbon, carbon discussion, um, there have been studies done. I'd have to try to find them again, where a carbon Kevlar layup is actually stiffer than a carbon carbon layup. Um, I'd have to find the studies, but you can you can really kind of see it in certain carbon carbon boats if you look at the fluctuations in the rigidity of the boat itself. Not not where the core is obviously, because the core adds stiffness. But, you know, in non-core spots, you can see that carbon-carbon layup kind of move a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think, that, you know, it really depends on the, the weight of the fabric, too, um, can, play, can play a big role in that. Um, I think once you, when you try to make a boat too light, you get a lot of that, that where you can you touch between the, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of the word, the ribs, when you touch between the ribs, yep. um, you can feel it, you can feel it going in and out. Um, that's one of the things that, uh, GRB, I've talked to them a, a lot about. They, they do very strategic, um, layups and very strategic, uh, um, bracing and everything, um, to <laughs> like in the stinger, for example. I use that because that that has a really good example of it. If you look around the around where you, your seat is, there is the the thwarts there are like an inch and a half wide, and it makes a box around you. And the whole thought process is that you're going to be twerking the boat, so they wanted to make that the most rigid part of the boat. Whereas in like uh, moving up towards the bow. And is really just to keep water out is what um, uh, is what they told me. So <laughs> it's one of those things where that's where they could get rid of a little bit more material. They didn't have to worry about um, the boat being super rigid in that in in, in that area um, where they stiffen it up in other areas where it really needs it really uh, helps. Um, you know, well, it's different in a C2 because in the C2 in the, in the bow, you want it nice and stiff because you got your bow guy twerking on it a lot. Great. Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, let's, let's move into, uh, the carbon Kevlar. Let's talk about that. Um, what are you guys' opinions on it? Do you guys like the idea of introducing car, uh, color to, uh, to the sport or are you guys a fan of staying all black? Go ahead, Bill. You go first. 
<laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm itching to speak on this. I'll let you go first, Carson. <laughs> uh, you know, to me, I uh, I don't think I would care one way or the other. I don't think I would, you know, spend more or uh, or even pick a boat with color for the same price. Uh, to me, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I think it definitely brings something new to the sport that uh, is cool for maybe the new paddler or somebody that's, uh, you know, looking to really maybe customize their boat or make it really unique. Uh, you know, like somebody like the neon bandit, if he wants to someday have a, a neon boat out there racing, I mean, that's awesome. And that, that it, it adds something really cool to the sport. Um, it, it'd be really cool to see the way they look coming across the pond at night, you know, in the marathon or, uh, with lights shining on them around other boats. Uh, yeah, I personally, I'll take it either way. I, I'm not like, I'm not somebody that really, really wants to go get a, you know, uh, colored carbon boat, but to each their own. I see. Yeah, you hit it, man. I would love to. Yeah. The, the orange looks good, right? But I would love yep. to see this thing in a neon green or a neon yeah. yellow something fluorescent like we're finally starting to get something a little different for color right i think it's sick i like it um and if you actually like follow the the science behind the materials there's a there's a lot of good things there a lot of good validity they do stronger right yes yeah there there's some some different data out there that supports a strength gain in using that material why we've never seen it in canoe racing i'm not 100 percent certain yet uh but man human designs has taken a chance here and i like it i like it a lot big fan big big fan yeah for sure for sure um it's one of those things that i was having to talk with gene about this too is that like people don't realize it that like kevlar boats can be really light boats but no one gives them any, like, you know, no one wants a, a Kevlar boat anymore. Um, and it, I think, I, I just remember early 90s, you know, when there was a big divide between the pro class and the amateur class. And uh, this is when, like, my dad was, you know, you know, competing, you know, heavily in the, in the, in the 70. And I remember every year, you know, seeing the big, the, the black boats go zipping by, you know, and just saying, man, those black boats look fast. <laughs> and, uh, whereas in, you know, not, not that the Kevlar boats weren't fast. It wasn't that at all. It's just, they were, they made though a lot more amateur boats in Kevlar. And so I think it just helped. I just, it just like, it's like that perception, you know, it's an image thing, right? I've bought sold a lot of canoes at this point in junction. Um, And I actually looked at an old Kevlar pro boat at one point that had been painted black. Like there was, there was nothing (laughs) wrong with the boat in Kevlar. The prior owner just painted it black. I was like, why? And they were like, everybody else had a black boat. And I was like, mm, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, no, it's there's totally a, yep. Totally an image. It's totally an image thing. I think uh, 
Winona has even gone away from making their uh, C1s in uh, a carbon or graphite um, boat because I, I believe they've essentially said that the boats are the same speed, almost the same weight, and um, it's cheaper for the consumer to make it in Kevlar. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the the science the science doesn't necessarily support the the carbon fiber at this point. Um, there are certain situations, certain places where carbon is much nicer. Um, for example, if you have to repair a boat, have have either of you ever repaired a Kevlar boat? No. I've it, heard it's a, how difficult it can be. Yeah, it's it's very difficult. I've did one. It turned out awful. Um, when my, I have one of the straightest Winona V1 Kevlar boats you'll, you'll ever find. Um, Adam Stewart, another, you know, boat maker, Boardman Boatworks actually has it right now. He's doing some little stuff to it. Um, it needed a minor repair. We hold it, uh, LJ Bourgeois and I put a hole in this thing in 2016 in the canoe marathon, literally at the start of the marathon. Um, in the worst possible place you could imagine. Uh, and somehow I got it to Ascota, which is a complete another story. But that, that thing just sat in my garage for years because I was not going to touch uh, a Kevlar repair. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's where it'll be interesting to see, like, um, these carbon Kevlar weaves, if they still are... are um, repair is is how how easily they repair it comparatively you know um are they going to be easier to work with like a carbon boat or are they going to be harder to work with like a kevlar boat right yeah that, that'll be interesting to see what happens i'll uh i'll leave that test up to you <laughs> <laughs> i don't fix boats that's that's where i'm drawing the line i uh <laughs> I, I have too many. I have too many things on my plate, and so boat fixing boats is not on my plate. Uh, now, Gene is also using that material in his paddle design too, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually just got my paddle two weeks ago or so. Um, okay. Feels exactly the same as uh, my right. You know, my original paddle. So. Um, I can't in a, in a, in the, you know, in that, the hand weight test where you right. put the two, the, the two things in both hands and you, and you do the scales. Picture in Kevin raising his right hand, raising his left yeah. hand, raising his right hand, this confused look on his face. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't tell a difference in the weight, so I, uh. So I paddle, I paddle, I switch them around. I, I paddle them both now, and uh, um, I, I haven't seen uh, seen seen any much of an issue with it. But um, my plan is to really bring it through the ringer. I have a lot of suck water here um, and shallows that I can paddle in. So my plan is to to kind of beat it up, bring it through its paces, because. Uh, the plan is that's what's going to be my uh, my sprint paddle um, okay. for the marathon. So um, want to make sh make sure that it'll handle the rigors of the the shallow sprint course. You know, LJ's got one bourgeois, um, and he paddles the creek a lot. And if it survives the creek, 
it'll survive anywhere. Um, so I, Gene's obviously doing something right with those battles. Yep. So, um, but yeah, there's, I mean, they're not the only ones that are doing the, the color though. Um, Zav's doing color. Okay. Um, you know, he does the, he's doing shafts. So whereas in Gene won't do colored shafts, but, um, Zav's doing colored shafts. And so. Does Zav do his own shafts in house or like, yeah. how's that done? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He, they do everything in house now. Huh. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I actually have some footage of the shop of where I'm actually uh, making a promo video for him. Uh, that I'm, I'm, it's, it's taking a lot longer than I would have liked, but <laughs> hopefully I can get, have a good, have a good video coming out. Just playing 2020. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, so he, they, they, they do the, the shafts in house there, right, right at Wells Bridge, right? You know, right at the edge of the river, you paddle right by it every 70. So, um, but yeah, so they do, they, their carbon Kevlar is red and then their other color shafts are fiberglass and carbon. So they're not sure if they're going to continue on with them because of the weight. Because yeah. with them being glass, they're, they're coming out a little heavier. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I, I don't think they I, – I think they're a, a little hesitant um, to pursue, you know, keep on uh, going down that path because they're, you know, it kind of goes against their mantra, right. you know. So, um, I mean, they're beautiful looking paddles. I mean, I'm sure that I'm not, I'm not the one that I've never been, I've never paddled with a ultralight paddle. I always go with around a 10 ounce paddle. Um, and I've very rarely, Mr. Brewmeister, what do you use for paddle? Uh, some, I use a Zav and, uh, sometimes when, uh, I'm training. I'll use a heavier one, uh, but race day I'll use. Uh, you know, I got one of those platinum ones that he makes uh, a couple years ago, and I have loved that paddle. And I've raced two marathons with it uh, in the shallow water, in the deep water, and it popped on me this spring. Um, but there's not a crack through it, and it still paddles fine. So I know the life is getting smaller on it, but uh, it's. For me, those are, uh, I'll get another one of those when that one goes because it's been very durable. And, uh, you know, the price point is, uh, I think, one of his highest, cause it, but I think it, uh, it's worth it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's tough to beat a ZRE paddle. Uh, just, yeah. Uh, I'm looking yeah, at mine right now. I'm in my home office, and I got a pile of them. And, yeah, they're, it's just tough to beat. What um what what weight do you go with, Bill? Uh, light, power surge light. Yeah. But, uh, I do have one pro, um, and it almost yeah. I I just can't really feel the difference for me anyways between a light and a pro. 
Um, now I train a lot with an extreme. You talk about using yeah. a heavier yeah. paddle to train. I do have a 48 and a half inch extreme that I train with. Oh man, I could not tell you how many hours that thing has on it. I've had it since 14. Um, it, and for a training paddle, that's, that's all you need. It's incredible. Yeah. In yeah. my experience, it can be uh, tough to ration buying the pro and living in grayling and doing most of your training on the asable. Uh, yeah. You can't use the pro for your everyday trainer um, just because it's not going to. The, the beating that it takes living on the upper end of the asable is uh, just a little too much. Yeah, I have a um, a zone that I absolutely love, and the issue with the zone is that I almost feel bad like paddling with it because I'm afraid I'm going to hurt it. It's that pretty of a paddle. Living and paddling where I paddle the majority of the time. Yeah. I will. I will say that. I only paddle mediums, so mine are all 10 ounces, and I have not had any issues in longer races, and uh, it's won me, I have two amateur titles at the 70 with those paddles, so. (laughs) Now, for those that are listening that may not know this, because there's been a lot of fresh blood in the canoe paddling world uh, here in the last year or so. Make sure with your Zav paddles that you're taking good care of those tips. Um, I saw a very big name paddler one time just kind of grinding it on a piece of concrete. And I was like, what are you doing? And they were actually, they showed me how to sand it down and take care of that tip. If you take care of the edge of that blade, it will last a very, very long time. Uh, If you don't and you allow it to kind of open up that's when you'll get stuff in there, and that's when the tip of that blade will actually start to fail. Well said, bro. I always have sandpaper in my truck ready to go. Do you? Yep, good. That's, 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 that's a great way to be. I see a lot of people get very frustrated uh, when that blade opens up on the end on the tip, and it's totally preventable. Just sand that thing down, a little bit of sandpaper, and away you go. It's funny. We were talking, so we were talking off off air before we started recording about the the Schlimmers. That is one of my Schlimmer memories: is seeing uh, they they'll sit there right before the start of the race. So at the start line, sanding their path. <laughs> like like at Canton. They're where we have to set up a drift line and everything like that. They're sitting there sanding their paddles. <laughs> got to be prepared, right? Even if it's on the line, got to be prepared. So. Hey, one, one other real quick hitter uh, before we move on to some, some race recaps, things of that nature. Uh, other new things, I know that Boardman Boatworks' boat is about ready to pop out of the mold may even have came out of the mold this week i was talking to adam uh, a day or two ago about it uh looking forward to making a trip to tc and paddling that boat with him and then also sponsor of the show um it's so weird to call this dude the bag lady red leaf designs but jeremy vore has a new feed out 
you know, I don't know if you guys saw that, but they're selling seats now. So I did. I'm very curious about that. Then they, they, they're uh, messing around with uh, building. Well, Steve Landick up there has built uh, those endurance boats for a very, very long time. Um, and now it, I think Jeremy is uh, making some with him. And that'll be interesting as well um, to see if they decide to step into some more racing boats and build those i know uh you know steve knows how and jeremy is uh crafty in his own right and uh, seems to know what he's doing with boats too so uh that that could be interesting down the line atlantic has a a c1 i gotta make sure that i get this right that the texans love for the safari mm-hmm. um yeah. I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it but it's it's interesting let's put it that way yeah. Yeah. I, so I used to live up in Marquette and paddle with Steve all the time. And uh, I have to say, one of my favorite things is, is walking into his garage and seeing all the boats because uh, he's got numerous designs, numerous different things uh, that he's played with, things, reasons that he custom made a boat this way to be best suited for a certain race and certain distance. And yeah, he's made a lot of boats and he's got a lot up there. Eh, interesting good stuff man good stuff hey let's let's jump into some race recaps um carson i know you did a lot of racing here in michigan this year um what did the mcra had ross common the muskegon river throwdown the grayling paddlers challenge and the first dam race did i get them all i I believe you did i believe that's uh that's all of them in i race so if there was one that i missed out on i'll be disappointed (laughs) right on hey speaking of which Congratulations! You were the champion of the Muskegon River Throwdown this year, right? That is correct. It, uh, first MCRA victory, so uh, yeah, that was exciting for sure. Nice, yeah. good. De- Walk us through some race recap, man. So, uh, I mean, we'll start with uh, Ross Common. This, uh, I'll say the same thing between Ross Common and Muskegon. Uh, these races are put on by uh, Sean Brabant and uh his wife now congratulations to him uh crystal and uh austin weiler and alex also help a lot with that um and they do a phenomenal job at putting these races on um and they it was not an easy process for them this year it was very complicated with all the permits and uh you know kind of tight roping the line and what they could do and uh, couldn't do but uh i love the ross common race it's it's uh Twisty, technical, and I always, uh, you know, the first year I raced it, I got done, and uh, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how much better I thought I was going to do than I did. I, and now I always say it, it really, uh, really shows who's been training and who's who's good technically. It, it really, really brings it out early in the season and can be kind of a wake up call, um, even for the best guys. Um, but you had uh, Mike and Weston at the top there um danny and i finished second matt gabriel and pete mead and pete raced bow a couple times this year um and I, he used to race bow a long time ago he's still very good very good in the bow um, mary and rich have been fast all year they were fourth there um eric batway and doug gillen uh very technical paddle paddlers good at the twisty deep water lots of current um and then uh, it was interesting this year we were uh, a little later into the year, and usually this is a race with 
the water is really high due to being as early in the spring as it is. Uh, and there's a lot of current uh, turns that you come around and can really get thrown. Um, and this year it wasn't as bad. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a great race there. Yeah, I- interesting you mentioned the, the water levels. Um, knowing full well what the South Branch does as we get to that point of year. And obviously canoe liveries operate on this river. Um, but the water levels tend to drop quite drastically. How, how was it? Was there, you know, any concerns as far as debris or anything of that nature? Yeah, so it, it was much lower than uh, it had been in past years. But I think because of that, there was debris that um, past years probably wasn't visible that was now visible. Okay. And on top of that, uh, Austin and Sean got out multiple times during the week and cleared the river. I heard multiple people say that it's uh, it was the most clear they've ever seen that river in that stretch. So uh, kudos to those guys for that. Yeah, hat, hat tip to them. Um I remember Austin posted something here not very long ago about a picnic table being in the river. One of these days, now that I've got the waders out again, I should go down there and if it's still there, give me a hand getting that thing out. It's uh, incredible that the section that that is and the debris that it uh, accumulates through the summer. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, moving on to uh, Muskegon. This race was like, this is my favorite race of the year. I love this race um, for multiple reasons, but I think number one is it's just, uh, and I don't mean to uh, hurt any other race promoters in the MCRA's feelings, but I think Sean does the best job and he puts on a, a great race here. Um, and it's it's a great race and it draws a lot of talent. We, you know, this year we had uh, Mike Schlimmer out from New York. We had Ryan Zavril out from New York. And uh, it makes for a really good field and really good uh, fun racing. Um, that water is uh, deep, easy on the equipment. And uh, that's a race that we talked about riding earlier. Um, if you want to have a good race in that race, I think you got to be able to ride and you got to be able to handle waves. And uh, yeah, there was uh, the three boats, Matt and Pete, Kyle and Ryan and Weston and I, I think we rode for an hour and 10 minutes of that race. I was just going to ask, I was going to ask, cause I looking at the time and, uh, it looked like you, uh, you're pretty close with, uh, Mearsman and, and Mead. So I was wondering what, when did you, uh, break away from them? Uh, so there's the two portages in that race. And just before the portage is kind of tricky. It's, uh, short and quick and you got to have a smooth takeout and put in and, uh, Weston and I were able to get in front of them before the second portage. There's only about 10 minutes of racing after that second portage. Um, and I think we maybe put a boat length on them before we portages, portaged and uh, came out and were able to hold them off. It was, it was close right up until the, right up until the end. Yeah, that, that awesome. portage, if, if you're in a pack there and you're riding, that portage the last time is absolutely critical if you lose the race to the portage it's over i maybe not you know maybe somebody could come back and win but i I just don't see it yeah it's it's very difficult to uh put in and and then 
it just seems like you lose a boat length if you're the second, the one there. And then, and then you're off the wave and it's a matter of climbing back over that wave again. And, uh, which can be tough at that stage of a race. Yep. You're burning too many matches. Yep. Yeah. And that's, I see, I love, I love races like that because it, it really goes to, uh, playing the, the right tactics in a race, uh, and, and also having all of your skills honed, not just being able to paddle hard and paddle for long. Yeah, absolutely. That race was also, um, I think, the only race of the year that we could start in heats of 10 at the start, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, that was fun because I think, you you know, you get a little bit more of a, uh, with heats of five, sometimes you can miss the mark on uh, putting people in the right heat and then you got people climbing. But with heats of 10, there's more of a, a bigger target to hit. And, uh, so you got a lot of the boats that are, should be in the same heat. They're all together and, uh, plenty of time to, you know, shake it out and see what happens. Uh, so that was, that was good. You also had, uh, Joe only come over from out East and, uh, she raced with, uh, Mike Davis and they took home the mixed, uh, the mixed championship there. Yeah, it was an, it was a very interesting field from all over the country. If, if you look at second place mixed, um, Danny and Cecily, um, were, were second. Like we owe Danny a podcast episode cause his, we had some technical difficulties on, but full confession. I kind of want to get her on. She's got a fantastic backstory uh, as far as racing in Texas and the water safari. Um, I believe she did the, uh, is it? Was it the Missouri? Did they race Missouri 340 this year? MR 340? I think so. Yeah, I think they she, did. Yeah. She, and they were the, I don't want to get into the controversy around who won the 340, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, she would definitely be a good one to have on it. And, and uh, Danny goes back and forth to Texas all the time uh, and paddles down there and is paddling up here. So, uh, yeah, he's getting uh, to paddle down there with uh, all the Texas guys and uh, girls and then come up here and paddle at the farm. So he's getting a good uh, good mix of things for sure. Yeah, right on. It, transitioning there, like to our next race, the Grayling Paddlers Challenge, we talk of Texans. And uh, the, the champions there, Pete and Chris the Texan. Yes. Yeah. That, that race was... Uh, Awesome. I don't know if you guys saw any of the video of the start. Um, Mike, Mike snapped his paddle on the third stroke in, and uh, we spent the next couple hours chasing Chris and Pete. Um, we finally caught him just, uh, just under, uh, just before McMaster's, and uh, we caught him, and uh, Chris looked over at us, and uh, I could tell with the way he looked over at us and the, the ease that him and Pete were still paddling that we, uh, Mike and I might be in trouble. And <laughs> <laughs> That's never a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm just glad they were able to have that race. Um, Lynn got a hold of me kind of in a panic and was like, hey, we can get the permit to use the river, but we can't use the landing. So all of a sudden I started banging out a list of people to get a hold of that had property on the, uh, on the Asable. And, uh, 
huge thanks. I want to give a shout out to the Cornellis. Um, they are huge, huge new racing fans, huge fans of the marathon. Uh, but that's where that race ended up starting from. Yeah. The, the, the dedication to the fans uh, of the sport that put that race on uh, is awesome. And I think as paddlers, we showed our gratitude. But if we didn't, we, I'd certainly like to thank them again because uh, that's such a holy, holy weekend in uh, the Grayling area. So to have at least uh, a race uh, certainly meant a lot to the paddlers, I know. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. You know, you, you talk about the uh, start and finish spots. It was Cornelli's to Smutex, you know. Uh, big, big thanks to the Smutex family and all that they've did, um, especially with putting together the the most recent race, the Mayo race. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we I remember asking uh, after the uh, Grayling Paddlers race if, they thought that was going to happen, and uh, they seemed pretty determined to make that work. Uh, so I, I knew leaving uh, Grayling that day that uh, I was pretty confident it was going to happen, and there were hiccups along the way, but uh, they made it work. And uh, that race saw uh, Ryan Zavril and Ed Curley come all the way out, and wow, were they fast. <laughs> they've, been, uh, they've been training hard. Oh, over in New York all year, so that's something that we can talk. We can touch base on. Uh, we'll glance over the New York stuff uh, this this episode because we'll, we'll we'll talk with Ben when we can get Ben on. Um, but yeah, they've been they do their time trials every week, and and Ryan's really been uh, really really training training pretty pretty well this year. Yeah, they uh, they started in the second heat uh, with us, um, and caught and passed Mike and Austin. Uh, so, you know, they had, I, I'm not sure what the official time was, but they had at least a minute on those guys. So that was uh, an impressive showing from them. Uh, also impressive. And I know we're going to touch on this later as well, but Brian Halstead came out and uh, was seen for the first time by me, at least. And I think a lot of the paddlers in a while and paddled with somebody that we haven't seen in a long time in the racing scene, or at least in a racing canoe, and that was John Sullivan, and uh, they looked good. They looked great. Uh, Ryan looked like he is uh, prepping for a comeback. So, uh, oh, boy. I, that's, I will say it. I, he looked good, and uh, they were fast. I think they I think they were fourth or third in that race, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there going forward. Yeah, we, we talk about prepping for a comeback. That's a that's a guy that can get it. Both those guys can get down in a in a race boat, man. Um, I kind of knew Halstead was looking to get back in, and Sullivan as well. Um, interesting trivia fact on Sullivan. I don't know for sure that I've got this correct, but I believe he is the only person in the history of the Asable River Canoe Marathon, and uh, official. Historian, statistician Ryan Matthews can correct me on this if I'm wrong. I believe he's the only person with 10 starts and 10 finishes all in the top 10. I believe you are correct. Uh, What about Surge? I don't know. Um, There may be. Now, let's. There, there may be three total. It may be Sully, Surge, and one other. Okay. Um, but yeah, 
one of a very elite crowd. Let me back up on that. <laughs> I, I just, I'm just thinking, I, I mean, that, I'm just throwing Surge out there, and that's, uh, but. Yes, I, yeah, Surge was, Surge is definitely in that same company. Even be mentioned in that sentence with Surge is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's oh that that was not in any way, shape, or form a knock on Sullivan at all. Uh, you know that was um, just just pointing something pointing something yeah. out. So, um, but yeah. So uh, now now uh, Carson for uh, um, first damn race you you paddled with uh, Zach Childs. Am I correct on that? Correct. Uh, he's. Well, I believe he won. Uh, he won a paddle. Was it? I, I'm not sure. Yep. If that was, yeah. Was that a writing that you guys did? Yeah, that was the 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 essay contest that yeah, you yep. know uh, with Boardman Bo- uh, Boardman Boatworks um, this past off season. So um, yeah, he won the paddle there. So I I was I was very uh, I was very happy to see that you paddled with him. Yeah. So him and uh, his dad are my uh, training buddies down here in Bay City and. Uh, they they've done an excellent job and they've uh, pushed me a lot through the spring. Um, they got a lot better and uh, I, big things to come from those guys. And Zach is uh, only eighteen, so yeah. uh, he 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 will be an up and comer for sure. And uh, him and Ryan, I expect to do uh, very very well in the marathon next year. They've uh, made big leaps and uh, finished, I believe. I think they had two top tens here in the Michigan races, and uh, so they're 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 gonna do well. And uh, yeah, I was I was happy to get a race in with them. We wanted to do one this year, um, and uh, so I was happy to get one in with them. That was a that was a fun race. He got to we got to paddle around Bruce and uh, Weston and Danny and Sean, and uh, so I know he was having fun with that. I think uh, anytime you can paddle alongside Bruce, you're having a good time. So. Yeah, for right sure. on. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna touch base on the um, the New York races. So basically, uh, New York had Wessels, Madrid, Wells Bridge, uh, and Remington too. Um, we uh, so basically, um, Wessels, uh, we saw. Uh, the C1 was taken by Terry Kent, who came out of, uh, we haven't seen him in a long time. So we're talking about people that are at the top of the, the sport that you haven't seen in a while. Terry Kent won, I can't tell you how many uh, C170s. Um, and he came out, and no one was really expecting him, and he, he ousted uh, Ryan Zavril. And uh, Ryan Zavril, uh, like I said, he's been training hard this year, and he really was uh probably the most uh decorated so far this year um and ryan zavril and dana henry won the the c2 uh there and um and then when we go to madrid um ryan zavril won with ed curley in the c2 and then uh uh wells bridge um ryan zavril won with Pat Madden, so he's pretty much swept so far uh, a lot in the in the um, 
C2 races. Some of the C1 races, I know in Wellsbridge, I think he uh, he tipped over, so he was knocked back there. But he's definitely going to be one of those guys that, I mean, he's been in the top 10. Um, but I, I definitely think that you're going to see him really pushing, uh, pushing the envelope um, in these upcoming seasons. So, um, and then another uh, one we got we to gotta note is uh, Jake Croster. So Jake Croster is, um, I have no clue if I'm pronouncing his name right, but. <laughs> That's all right. Um, I'm asking names all the time, man. Jake C. <laughs> he, he is, um, I believe he's the nephew of Pac-Man. So I know he's related to Packard, Mike Packard. And I think it's his nephew. Um, okay. He's just graduating. I think he's just graduating college. Um, and so he came out strong this year and really uh, set himself up to have uh, – so he's going to be one of those guys. He's, he's, he's new to the sport. He has a lot to learn, um, but he's learning it from Mike Packard. So that is uh, a great teacher, and he's in that group at Wells Bridge um, down there on the Susquehanna. So he's paddling with a bunch of other really great paddlers. Um, so he's going to be someone to look out for, um, in the upcoming years too. Yeah. That Wells bridge crew is like, they're, they're like a street gang and they've got their own little pack. <laughs> they do. They do. It's, uh, it's very, it, it's, it's, you know, it's cool to, to, you know, know those guys and, you know, and, uh, uh, be friends with a lot of them. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, um, uh, a core group there there's not many areas in there's not that many areas in the world with that many good paddlers all congregated you know you guys have that in michigan with a, a couple of your hubs but and <laughs> that is the hub in new york i mean um there's no uh what college lacrosse is that correct what's that Did jake played college lacrosse as well is that yes. correct Okay. That is correct. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, he played, uh, I think it was like D1 lacrosse. So that's like why he, he, he um, I met him like, la- I met him last year when he was uh, starting to get into it, but he had the next, he had this next year. So um, that's why he couldn't, he's like, I can't do too much. Cause he was like a big, he's a big boy. And, uh, He's like, yeah, I can't, you know, I can't like get down and wait or anything because I need it for lacrosse and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so he's 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 just gonna be a he's a powerful guy, and once he knows how to put the power and get everything out of it, and he learns the nuances uh, of canoe racing, he's gonna be right up there. So, makes it makes it makes it harder for. Makes it hard for us old guys, Bill. <laughs> I've I've given up on climbing that mountain, baby. I'm just enjoying the ride at this point, so I am. <laughs> I had I had to move down to Florida so I can train you around so I can climb the ladder a little bit more. <laughs> Florida, I need to go down there and go to one of them aging clinics or something, man. There's an awful lot of gray in this beard after 2020. Now, um, why don't why don't we move on? We could talk about. We'll we'll talk about the ageless Serge Corbin because 
he made he made uh, quite a uh, quite a spat this year, you know, um, with uh, teaming up with Chris Prue, and and boy are those are those two fast. Let's let's just throw it out there. I'm gonna say it right now. <laughs> I think that combo could win a triple crown event. I'm not gonna say which one because I've thought my way through it. There's three of them. There's one specifically that I think they could win. What's you guys' take? I'll say it. The one, the they could, they could win the seventy. Yeah, no, I, I was. Uh, I, I heard that said, and I was skeptical for a while. And I, I saw the video of them racing. I believe it was this past weekend. And man, they look as smooth and as fast as anybody I've seen in a boat. So it's hard to uh, it's hard to disagree, and I, I I have to I would love to see them, you know, surge in general. I would love to see race uh, the triple crown again, um, but those two together it would be it would be very interesting. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm I'm actually pretty good friends with Chris, so I talk to him uh, pretty regularly, and uh, um, when they uh, it was like the first race they did. Um, He's like, we're, I was talking to him about it, and he's like, he's like, uh, there's a big difference between Serge and him, and like him and Sam, and I think it's because of how many, you know, how much power Serge has, and the the just the the sheer knowledge that Serge has, and uh, he showed me, he he like showed me uh, a couple clips, and he's like, look at the stroke rate. And until you like really like look at it and you're like studying the film, like you're studying, uh, you know, football, you know, game tapes. When you're watching this, their their stroke rate is like 58 strokes a minute. And they're behind, I forget who, like Guillaume and I forget. It might be Guillaume and Steve, honestly, but uh, I don't I don't remember. So I'm not going to don't hold me to that. But. Whoever they were, they were just they were just holding on to them. It looked like they were out on a leisurely paddle, and they just waited until they bought their you know bide their time, in uh, good old Serge Corbin fashion, and then they just took it. And so, like the amount of power that Chris can put into the paddle, um, just look at how he's won the two marathons, you know. And you 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 put him with Serge, I, I think that. And Serge has been known to to dominate in the shallows on the Susquehanna, um, you know, late in the race. I think you put them together, and I think that's going to be uh, – I, I think it would be – you know what I think would be an awesome race to see? Chris and Serge against Andy and Steve at the 70. It's got so, to uh, put those guys on notice, right? Like those guys have dominated for years now. And uh, to see Serge and hear the talk about Serge and Kristoff, uh, it's got to put Andy and Steve, you know, you know they're going to hit it hard this spring. Yeah. I, I, would, I, would, I would think so, right? Um, the Chris and Serge versus Andy and Steve, I think would be a better matchup, better race at the Asap. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say 
I think Serge and Chris would win the 70. Like, if those two combos were to race each other, I think it would be a very, very interesting matchup. Um, on the Asable, I don't think anybody is quite as magical as Andy. Um, it, it'd be interesting. Class Seek would be a, a different race. I don't know. I do not know Serge. I'm going to put a little preface with, hey, maybe he's a, a heck of a runner. Things of that nature. I understand there are some very long runs mm-hmm. in the third leg. And I'm just thinking to myself, at 40, I'm not a huge fan of long runs. I, I don't know what Surge's thought is on long runs. So I, I don't know that that would be a great race to see them race at. Well, there, there's, um, I was reading one of the, his last interviews that he had. Um, he, there's a, I think there's a reason why you haven't seen him at the marathon or the, um, the Classic. Um, I think the classic is something that he would really love to do, but he just doesn't, I don't think that he's feels prepared for it. Um, and, and you might be, you might, you might have it right. You know, Bill, it might be, you know, that, I mean, he, he, he's not, I mean, he's, he's what, 62 or 63 now. Yeah. He, but, he's not young. That's yeah. That's so, that's all I'm getting at. I I think the canoeing aspect of it I don't think would be a problem. The the man is a god amongst legends in a racing game, right? Career, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. How's he hold up on that long? Ah, what is the name of the the long long portage at Classy? Uh, it's like La Grand Mare or something that, like that. Grand Mare. I think I think so. I think it's something like that. I don't know. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta go to that race. I got. I. I gotta do it one year. <laughs> I believe there, there was a video of those guys starting the most recent race, and they all started on a run, right? Okay. And I, I in that video, it looked like Serge was moving pretty good. <laughs> okay, you're right. Um, right. He, they were. They were out front. They were out front they, because they, they won. They, they were out front on their feet before they even touched the water. Yeah. And, no kidding. But they were also they also got pole position because they sprinted on a two minute sprint course ten seconds faster than the second place team. <laughs> wow, that's sick. I, I, I will say this: uh, Serge talk of the triple crown is awesome and all, but uh, seeing Ryan Halstead this weekend, he's got to be uh, in Chris Chris's ear as well. I I have to think uh, that you know they've done it before. It was Ryan's first win. They've got history. I have to imagine that's going to play a part in uh, the year going forward as well. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. Could you imagine what, what a great place to be if you're Chris? Like, which one of these former champions do I take with me? Right. right. <laughs> so. It's it's definitely and and I've said it before and I'll say it again. Chris is a great ambassador for the sport. He's um he's a very very nice, very um forthcoming with uh, information, and uh, you know he also has that sprint kayaking, so he he understands like uh, actually how to program and and, and train effectively too. Um, he's just, he's something to, he, he's quite, 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 quite a great guy. So, um, I think it's, 
interesting to think about the guys that are starting to come up that haven't, you know, that we haven't seen in a while. And how will that affect Steve and Andy, you know, because uh, will we see them, you know, one of them or both of them, you know, take a hiatus for a little while? What do you guys think? The other thing to consider there is I think they, Steve and Andy both have kids that are both getting older. And uh, so there's other things that are drawing uh, their attention uh, away from racing, I think, at times, which is why you've seen, uh, you know, Andy has already taken gaps away from, you know, not in a year, but he'll, he won't race New York one year. He won't race Classic, or he'll only race Marathon. So uh, it'll definitely be interesting these next couple years to see how that unfolds, whether or not you'll continue to see Andy and Steve uh, as a partnership or um, if, if there's a change and there's a, there's a lot of new guys coming up and there's, a, I mean, the top 10 this next year could be in any of the triple crown races could be just uh, the most competitive we've seen it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the the Steve and Andy and the the age and the that point in their lives, um, things of that nature. And I don't know either of them personally. I do know this though, in, in that I took the year off, and, and that played into it. Um, you only get and there's actually a, a book out there uh, that talks about this. You only get eighteen summers with your kids, right? Like, that's it. 18 summers. And then, for the most part, they go off to college, they start their own lives, etc. At, at some point in Junction, you go, oh boy, I don't have very many of these left. And just mm-hmm. other things take priority. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Interesting. So who's your Carson, outside of Carson Burmeister, who clearly is capable of winning races and on the up and up, who would you say, um, and I know you're more familiar with the Michigan guys than anything else, are your three up-and-up paddlers right now? Uh, I, I would definitely, um, you know, I, and I'll butcher his last name too, but Jake Croster or Crozer, uh, however you want to say it, he, uh, he, I've been watching from Michigan, and he, he uh, appeared to take a big jump this year, and it'll be interesting to see what he uh, does next year. Um, you know, I, I – I played soccer in college as well, so I know the balance that he was doing, and uh, that's why it's very interesting to see this next year will be his first year fully focused on paddling the way he was on lacrosse. Uh, so there, the, that he'll make another big jump, I'm sure. Um, in Michigan, uh, I think Zach Childs is uh, maybe not the next year, but uh, two years down the road, he's going to be to do some uh, really big things in the sport, I think. Um, and a third one. Hmm. Who do I got here for a third one? Yeah, you don't have to pull a third one out now. I kind of put you on the spot. That's totally off the uh, <laughs> off the outline. It was just something I came up with on a on a whim. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Great. Stuff. Anybody out of York, Kevin, that you would kind of, you know? Um. Uh, that that's no one other than Jake that I think is gonna you know have a real uh, uh, a real like breakout season next year other than Ryan. Um, 
Uh, I don't know if you could call it a breakout season with Ryan uh, because he's, you know, been, he's been in the top 10. Um, but I think that, like I said, I think he's going to push into that next level, um, you know, and, and, you know, be pushing top five, um, especially if he's partnered up with the right person, um, you know, so he's someone that we haven't seen in that top five that I think you could see, uh, in the next year, but it really just depends. Like having this talk, you know, talking with you guys, I'm like, I could not predict a top 10 right now. I I really think that this next year, depending on who shows up, but I think it's going to be one of those years again that you have, you know, the top 20, teams are all top 10 potential <laughs> whereas in, it doesn't always happen like that yeah um, I, I can't wait for uh, ryan matthews to have to put together a top 20 list next year for the marathon because man what a job that's going to be it's uh assuming everything happens um the marathon new york and classic i think you're going to see some great turnouts in all uh all three races yeah yeah that up you know i i know the marathon committee is already starting to plan 2021 um i i talked to ryan actually earlier today on that subject um the bottom line is still going to be covid uh we we haven't talked about the elephant in the room at all but it's accessibility and permits as to what happens in 2021 uh, is there any talk as far as the Clinton goes? Um, I haven't reached out to any of my contacts uh, with the Clinton. I know that um, I know that they really want to do the race. So um, I, I don't see as I, I would think that they'd be able to. Um, it might not be the same race that it always has been. Um, it may be very... Because, like, in New York, I think gatherings are at, like, 50. So um, so you're talking about boats, you know, uh, you could have 20, you know, uh, 20 or so boats together. Um, They should, and the infection rate is, like, really low in New York now. So if, especially if if Governor Cuomo is still able to uh, impose all of his, all of his mandates for that long uh, they should be at a point where they can actually they should be able to hold it i mean with like i said it it probably won't look the same um they would have to definitely uh, break up and do more starts than what they've done in the past couple years where they whereas in the past couple years they just started uh to group the pros and the amateurs together again um, I think that that would that's going to have to get thrown out the window, um, uh, but I don't. I, I think that it can be done um, with what we know, and uh, the 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 General Clinton Park is such a large park. Now, yes, it gets very busy and stuff like that, but there's ways to put barricades up and and, and you know. Um, make it so it, you could still at least hold the race. I know there's a couple of proponents out there um, that are like, want to get it back to just being just the race anyways. And not, you know, the, 
just and, the seven being at the festival, none of the other hoopla. Right, yeah. right, exactly. So, um, so you might, you know, I mean, you might see that instead, you know, where it might not be the general Clinton, it might just be called the 70 because it's, uh, um, you know, because they can't hold the whole festival and everything. So, um, and it might not technically be part of the Triple Crown then either, but it'd probably be the same. It'd be the same race. Um, so, uh, so that's what I, I see there. I mean, uh, I don't know what you guys are. It sounds like you guys are still more strict um, in Michigan right now. Is that right? Yeah, without without going too far into the weeds, there's some very interesting. You know, you you can get a permit to hold an event on the river, but you can't get access to the the landings um i've also been following some other large sporting events that have canceled recently um iceman camp is the the biggest one you know that i was kind of still holding out out hope for um that that canceled and kind of the the back talk that i've gotten from you know friends that are connected to race promoters things of that nature is that even though we can have events with 250 people, they count the 250 people in a 24-hour window, and it includes everybody that's involved with the event or participating, timing, spectators, things of that nature. So it's not even like you can fire 250 off, wait 30 minutes, fire another 250 off. It's 250 cumulative. Um, Yeah. With a little luck, things are starting to loosen up here. Um, we, we just got high school football back, which is a, a big thing. I'm actually kind of looking forward to tailgating this year. Um, yeah, so. so. I'm curious uh, to what you guys think on this. One of the other things that, obviously, uh, if we're in a similar state, we're going to have to get creative if these races are going to happen. Would you ever see there being a... Uh, a cap on participants in any, in any of these races to make them happen? Um, I think, yes, I think that could be, could be seen. Um, I, this is the, this is where it starts to get into the politics of racing. Um, but, uh, how you determine, What's going to be the cap? I mean, there's other races that have caps. Look at Chattajack, you yeah. know. Um, but I think that might be how you have to do it. Is but the thing is, is Chattajack's well known. I, I don't know when the the sign up day is for Chattajack, but Katie Pack can tell you because she's the, always the first person to sign up for Chattajack, <laughs> and she won last year. So. Um, uh, but, uh, you might have to do it like that, where you have a publicized, this is when entries open, you 200 spots and you're done. You know what I mean? Um, other ways you could do it is to take, you know, uh, the 90 does it too, but I don't, I don't know is how much they actually, um, uh, prevent people from doing because they have a cap like so the 90 miler I think it's like uh, 280 boats can be on the waterway so like 
it can't you can't have more than 280 boats so that's why they've uh that race has turned into a c4 race because it gets more people on the water um and it's it's based because it's you know the the adirondack park um they don't want yep, they don't limits want on too many. Yeah. yeah exactly sure. exactly so um so there are other races that do cap so it's not out of the question to have caps it's just how do you do it to be fair you know and there's and, and then do you piss people off you know that are you know maybe not the top you know top tier but that still do still deserve a place to paddle you know uh the race so um That'll be that'll definitely be interesting to to see what to see how see how it all shapes up. A great question, Carson. I don't know that there is a good answer to that. Um, and I guess this is one of those moments where I'm glad that I'm not on one of those boards or committees in that aspect because that would be interesting. Like, how do you decide who gets to and who doesn't get to? Um, yeah. My, my brother and I had this speculation in regards to Iceman, the mountain bike race, um, because I've been just, and we're both horrible mountain bike riders, racers, like we're, we're just two bums. But for us, this is family feud. Um, and big brother, me, is the current champion. And I'll never let him forget that I'm now the 2020 champion as well. It didn't happen. Uh, so still the defending champion. But our thoughts on Iceman were that maybe they would reduce the race to a 50-person pro class, 50-person cat one class, and then hold a lottery for, say, 100 spaces. You eliminate the spectators... You factor in your support staff that could have kept them under the 250 mark. Well, that that didn't happen. They just canceled the event, you know. But the lottery would be the only way you you'd have to do something for, you know, a certain percentage are guaranteed. Like if you want to come, you've been X place this year, or according to our ranking system, you know these people are guaranteed now the hard thing with paddling is it's a two-person boat so does Serge Corbin get in just because he's Serge Corbin even if he takes a uh, I'll pick on Hewitt because that was the greatest meme ever with him and I both in the thing you know who should who should Serge race with if if Serge Corbin if there's only 10 spots available and Serge Corbin goes I'm racing with Chris Hewitt do they automatically get into the marathon Good question. Good question. Too much to figure out in one night, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Way too much. Sure. Yeah. I don't have enough bourbon for that, man. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that's not even a thing and races are back to full swing and everything is uh, back to the way it used to be and we're going uh, as planned. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I kind of think with a little luck that's where we'll be at, at, at least for new york and this is purely me speculating i would you know to the people out there that are thinking about it i have no idea about the festival and like kevin said maybe it's just the 70 um 
but from past discussions, you guys have a lot less permits as far as usage for the waterways and stuff like that. It may be yeah. a Cannonball 70, you know, just the race. I don't, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, well, well, guys, I think that's probably, we probably did a good job. We're, we're closing in an hour and a half. So, um, I think we should uh, wrap it up for tonight. And uh, any last thoughts from from uh, Bill or uh, Carson? No, uh, it was fun, guys, and uh, looking forward to the next podcast. And maybe we'll do it again sometime. Right on! For Thanks, sure. Carson, for joining us. Yeah, that was it. Was a good time. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Thank, thank you, Carson. It was it was a blast. Um, always enjoy talking about canoe racing. So, um, any last words from you, Bill? No, I um I think we pretty much covered it. It uh you know an interesting discussion to have would be to to reach out to Larry from Paddle Sports Risk Management as far as promoter liability things like that on the on the COVID front. Another sponsor of uh of what we're doing here. Um, but yeah. Otherwise, rock on, gentlemen. Thank you for the great show. Keep your paddles wet and the round side down. Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com, and don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling.